But at what? Then let me ask you: What prompted you to to become a producer? You know, because I've heard you in the in, earlier in our conversation that you're trying to build a festival, and are you trying to? Are you a festival runner? So I do a couple things right now. Uh, I think by the time this podcast comes out, I would have already released my new artist. Uh, hopefully, I, I will by then. It's called X Two A. It's my new artist project. I probably won't release the first track out yet, but I have a bunch of unreleased music that I'm going to be releasing gradually. And I'm doing that alongside uh, festival production and DJ. So like our first uh, fest that's coming up is Underground Garden Fest. Mm. Our headliner is Miso. Um, he's an experimental ba- bass DJ. Um, but we have, I mean, I guess I can't say who we have booked for the next one, but... He's going to be our headliner for the for the January event. Oh, and we we have a plan to grow the festival every year. Mm. You know, um, as like an annual event. We already have the venue space for the for two two thousand twenty two, and it's going to be capacity is going to be like twenty five hundred people. So we're already working on the one for next year, and that is sort of um, I guess you can say like that is part of my passion like not only do i want to play at big festivals but Mm. i also want to host big festivals because that's kind of i don't know like the community that i want to create is all around that when i first started producing it was probably 2017 2018 i feel like it's been a lot longer but that's when i really got into it and i knew that since then i wanted to give back to the scene and you know grow with this community and make a community of my own so a good way to do that I found is by having festivals and hosting events. That's actually pretty cool, man. And and from the first question, like what actually prompted you to become a producer? Like what inspired you to do all this shindig? So music production, I've been doing that since, I mean, like electronic music production that started in like 27, 2018. Mm-hmm. But I started producing, I mean, I was playing instruments since I was four, classically trained in piano. Uh, since elementary school, middle school, I was I was one of those like weirdo band kids in high school that was always hanging out in band class doing stupid stuff. Um, and I always had like this ear where I would just like listen to a song and I'd play it on the piano. Like if you show me a song right now, I can sit down on the piano and play it back for you. And it wasn't until recently, like 2017, 2018, that I was like, man, wait a minute. The reason that I've been doing that is because like music is my form of self-expression. Like that is the way that I express myself. If I listen to something and I want to express myself and repeat it back, I just play it on the piano. So I started learning that music was my best way of showing people who I am and how I feel because words just weren't doing it. Like no matter how, like it's almost like a feeling like you're inside yourself mm-hmm. and like we're coming out and you're expressing, you know, yourself, but it's not coming out right. It's not really showing the full picture. It's right. not like, you know, to the deeper level of who you are that's how i felt when i was like talking to people but then i'd I'd make music and i'd produce and i'd show people and i'm like like guys this is me like this is who i am this this song i don't know if that makes sense but like that's how i felt i need this i need this in my life i need a way to express myself and that's what pushed me towards starting doing to do music production and and give back to the scene that was like the number one thing that got me into it i wanted to give back to the scene that had given me so much because I was I I had been going to raves and concerts, but I didn't know about the festival culture right. and the group of people and Plur and everything that they stood for and the vibes that they created. 
And once I was like introduced to all that, I was like, man, like this is a group of people that have given me so much in the time that I needed so much that I wanted to give back. And producing was the way that I knew how. That's actually pretty cool to hear that, man. I love hearing stories like that, man. And what what is like your creative process when you say like, I'm going to open a new session and this is like the first thing I'm going to do? Like, what what does that do? So it depends. Um, I have a lot of different processes. I mean, I don't have a, what's the word? I don't have a template mm-hmm. that, I, that I go to. This is what I'm going to do from the, I mean, there is one that I, I, as of late, have liked to do. So I like to start with the drop, okay. which is different than a lot of people. They like to start with the intro and work their way to the drop. I like to start with the drop and I'll do the drums first. You know, I do the kick and the snare and then I'll add percussion, percussive elements. Mm-hmm. And then I go into the bass and then I might go into the reverb and the high end and like the spacey stuff. But that's where I like to start with my tracks. And then from there, I'll be like, oh, if this doesn't sound as hard as I want it to be, I'll make that drop the intro. So I'll push that all back into the beginning of the song and then I'll let it lead up to something even harder. But if I think it's hard enough, then I'll be like, okay, this is hard enough to be a drop. So then let me make an intro and a buildup that works up to that. And I find that easier because then I can, you know, it's easier to have the, you know, the fundamentals of the song and then work into something easier that goes into that than to, you know, have something easy and then try to be like, all right, now I got to make something big out of something small. It's easier to make something small out of something that's already really big. Right. I feel like. But it also depends because the creative process is a very messy thing. Like I'll Mm. sometimes I'll listen to a song and it'll inspire me in a way where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to start off with the intro this time. Or um, sometimes I'll be doing a sound design session. You know, I'll sit down for like an hour and I'm just making sounds. And as I'm making a sound, I'm like, wait a minute, this sound would be fire for a drop. So then I go straight into it from there. So it, it really depends. Um, and then when I was first do, I used to do a lot of future bass. I've kind of moved over to like dubstep and from there I've gotten into more experimental now, Mm. but dubstep is my heart and soul. Like that is the type of music Mm. that I, I want to be producing. Um, I, I found that chords are a great way to start, especially if you're starting off as a producer, chords is a great way to create the fundamentals of your song. Cause if you make a chord, you know the bottom note is going to be your bass, yes. and the top is going to be your lead. Yeah. So it's a very great way to create the foundation of a track. That's actually a perfect way to actually do it. And once you actually got that, like everything else just writes itself. Like I remember, and one of my one of the songs that I'm gonna send you to, it's called "As We As We Fall." Um, I started I started the whole notes and the melodies, and basically I just it wrote itself together all the way to the drop as well. It's like I just took the bottom the bottom notes as my bass and then I just put everything else as leads and shit and whatnot. It's like it, it just it was just copy paste for what I did and that's it. Like I didn't have to do so much shit. Like it was just that easy. Which is actually pretty cool. You know like and and I feel like that's actually something very fundamental that a lot of people need to understand and learn. When you're starting to produce music, and it's very important that a lot of people learn music theory. Like, don't you agree? Like, music theory should be at least like you should know some sort of basic knowledge of music theory, like what to play on F minor, or E minor, F major, and shit like that. Learn chords and keys and shit. Like, don't you think so? Yeah, I think I have I have mixed feelings because mm. I I personally yeah. <laughs> so I learned I was. 
I was forced to learn music theory in school. Like growing up, okay. I went to Conchita, you know, Academy, a great uh, art school since I was from kinder to eighth grade. And they made us take music theory every year. And I think it's beneficial to my, to my creative process now, for sure. But I've seen a lot of people in the industry get by with little to no music theory whatsoever. Like, I don't want to call anyone out, but I know some really big artists right now that their creative process is them sitting down and just like hitting it until they find a note that works. And that works for them. They, they make good music by just like continuing to find something that sounds good. So my take on it is if you already know music theory, that's great. It will make it quicker for you and easier. But if you're deep in the industry and you or you don't have like a strong foundation in music theory, don't let that hold you back. Like there are several artists and other ways around making music that don't yeah. necessarily know music theory. Yeah. And but it is a it, like you can appreciate music so much more if you understand the music theory and there's a lot more you can do with it if I you agree. do and you can hear it too like if mm. you hear someone that's like improvising on the lead you can tell that person knows about scales you know that person has a foundation in music theory but um i mean if you okay so like i watched a live stream of subtronics one time and he said he said it himself like he was very open about it he was like this was a recent one too he was like i don't know a lot of music theory but I just, I, I, you know, I test the note and if it sounds bad, I'll move it. And if it sounds good, I keep it. Mm -hmm. And that works for people. And a lot of music is, is we live in an era of technology where you can get by without music theory. You can do it without it. So that's my take on it. I think it adds a beautiful element. You get to understand music more deeply and it makes the flow of your creative process a lot easier and different. But there are a lot of hardworking individuals and for people with great work ethics that have found a way to make great music without it. And I think if you don't have it at a, at a deep stage in the process, right. it might be better to just like keep going with it. But if you want to learn something beautiful about music, definitely look into music theory because um, it can only help. I agree, man. And with that, like, do you actually believe the whole concept of writer's block? And if so, like, can you... What what would you do if you were in that situation? So I think, well, writer's block is a way, uh, I mean, writer's block is kind of another way of saying like, oh, either, either one, I'm not making the songs I want to be making right now, or mm. two, not making songs at all. That's what writer's block is. Either you're not making the songs you want to be making, or you're not making songs at all. And that boils more down to work ethic. So one thing that really separates a producer that is is like doing it right. is ethic and their consistency. If someone is inconsistent and feels like, oh, you know, the tracks I'm coming out with, or I'm not able to come out with tracks right now, and everyone has stuff going on in their lives. It's not like, you know, people expect you to be making music 24-7. But if someone's hitting like writer's block and they're not making the music they want to be making, right. it really kind of boils down to the fact that they're not working. They're not really like doing what they're supposed to be doing. And like, I don't know. I mean, I've, I guess I've had writer's block before. Like I've, I've made songs that I, I felt weren't ready to release, but I kept, mm. I kept working on it. It doesn't mean that I stopped. It doesn't mean that like I wasn't going to keep writing. 
I keep writing even if I'm making music I don't like. Because like you said, mm. some of your tracks that um, aren't your favorite ones are other people's favorites and have been played by a lot of people. So, I mean, it's better to make bad music than to make no music at all because you're growing. Mm. Now, to release it, I wouldn't necessarily say release bad music, but at least you're, you're working and being productive as opposed to not making anything. That's actually a good way of looking at it. Wow, I haven't thought about that, man. Damn, you're actually spitting some hardcore facts, man. I never thought about it in that perspective. I, I guess, like, I asked I ask the question because in, in my sense of writer's like I do believe it, but I ask this on everyone, and everyone has a different answer. Like, there's not one that will say, like, yeah, I, I do, but this, this, and that, or no... I don't have it. Like, no, everybody has a different meaning of writer's spark and everybody has a different answer. So I ask him because it's like, I, w- I want to hear your side of it. And there's no right or wrong. And the way you mentioned it is like, God damn, it makes a lot of sense. You know, it's like very cold, hard facts about it. I guess like the it way, is- the way I will do writer's spark if I, if I ever get it is like, I step away from it and I just do other shit. I don't know. I do some other hobbies and then I'll come back. When when it just like goes ping, it's like bam! I know what to do now. Now I can finish it. You know. Yeah, I think definitely my take on it could be very controversial, um, and it's like ex- very. Bl- I want to say controversial though. I I wouldn't. I would not say controversial. I would say it's very eye opener. That's how I will I will approach it. You know, because the way you're you're mentioning it, it it describes the way how it's supposed to be from real producers or real talented people not saying that anybody's talented i'm saying like more of like like in the terms of uh a music knowledge like they're musicians musicians and in terms of musician you're looking at it at that point of view as a musician and not as a producer because a producer can definitely have writer's block but it's not the same definition as yours and yours is from the musician because as musicians you always tend to write music whether you like it or not. You tend to even play music that you don't like it or not, but you still do it. It's stuff that it gets... I feel like you got taught about it, how to play through, and you just kept it going. And then once you get it going, it's like, yeah, didn't like it, but I know what I can do better now. And then bam, that's how Nitty Gritty is. Nitty Gritty, my boy Ricky, shout out to him. He's like that. He like he doesn't get like uh, writer's block in that in that sense. Like I will get writer's block. He will get writer's block in your sense as a musician. Cause he is a musician. He plays the piano, the drums. He's a vocalist, like the guitar, he, bass. Like, like the guy is all you can all you can eat buffet. Basically, that's what he is. <laughs> His song "Where I Belong" has completely has left me speechless like that song made me so emotional to the point of tears and i hope he hears that because it's a beautiful track he made i'll definitely make sure i clip this part and send it send it over to him you know (laughs) i feel like my most emotional song from problem is like i'm very biased when it comes to nitty and it's because i'm one of one of his closest friends from audio school when we went together we graduated together so it's like i'm very biased so it's like i feel like I will tell everybody it's like, yeah, he cannot do no rum. Like he's like the best. And I, and on top of that, he's like the most sweetest person in the whole world. Like oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, like, you can't beat that. You know, like the guy is amazing, you know, he's a amazing human being. And um I've been a fan since, you know, before he became Nitty Gritty, before it was Ricky Mears. 
and Ricky Mears was popping. Ricky Mears was popping, rele- releasing music with fucking Seven Lions, doing music with Skip Marley, the grandson of Bob Marley. That's huge. Like the guy was going places as Ricky Mears, but as when Nitty Gritty took over, it just took over a whole different landscape, bro. This is like he's on his league on his own. He's gonna be as big as fucking Skrillex, and it's something I always mention. He's gonna be as big or bigger than fucking Skrillex. Like shit, he's already on Grammy nominees. We're talking about. We're already talking about that he's on Grammy nominees on on his music or the music that he has worked with or collaborate with certain artists, you know? So it's like, like, the dude is amazing, you know? I would say, like, my old favorite, as Rick and Mears, it'll be Strada. That'll be my always, my number one song from him, as Rick and Mears, Strada. As Nitty Gritty, there's so many that I cannot, like, like, do it, like, Stay alive. Um, crack limbo. Oh my god, limbo was amazing. It's knit. Uh, let me go. Oof. And then my, I guess my favorite of all was All In that he did with Jimmy. That he released a EP on Spinning Records last year. He did a music video, All In. That was the name of the EP and and the song All In. And it's because uh, I was there when he started that project. I was there in his studio and, and he started that project and he brought over Jimmy and I met the guy. And then when he and he, I saw the whole process because I was doing my own shit. All of a sudden I look, oh, I peek over. He was doing so. And it's like, let me take a listen to what he's doing. Out of fucking nothing, the guy comes up with the chords. Out of nothing. He comes up with the fucking chords, the whole melody, the leads, everything. And he's like already got the, the first half of the song written down already. First half of the song written down and now we just need Jimmy to sing over and then adding that lips I was like what this <laughs> is insane like what the fuck and and when he released that I was like dude that's my favorite yeah because it's it's Wait. also a very beautiful future based song is he also from Florida he born in Pennsylvania Raised in Haiti and Pennsylvania, and then and then half of his teen and adult lives was in Florida. Oh, cool! But he's not in Florida right now. He's not doing a. Oh no, he currently lives in Florida. He currently lives <laughs> in Fort Lauderdale, but he he's in touring right now. Yeah, like what? What's 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 today? When Tuesday? Now nah, he's 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 probably. In two different places, he's either he's either somewhere in the states on a studio making songs for rappers and artists and singers, or he's at his home chilling and making more music. That's that's where I know where he is. That's the life. <laughs> that's the life, man. That's the life. That's where we gotta go to. One of the things I always appreciate about his music is like the level of sound designing that comes from him. It's just so unique and it's because of like most of the time his he switches his sound design like very constantly even though you got that that small detail of like yeah nitty gritty that's how i'm in his sound design levels just like comes out of his ass like any he can make anything anything and it makes it as a lead or as a drop or anything like you've seen if you see some of his like instagram stories you can see that you know it only takes him little to nothing to make something, and he, and he does it, you know? And he just does a lot of 
process, which is like, I actually wanted to ask you, like, what's your stand on sun designing? Like, do you believe that it's a, it, it must be a luxury or a necessity for producers? Uh, depends greatly on the genre you're making. So if you're making dubstep, if you're making bass music, mm. you need sound design. Your, your basses have to be yours and your own. And it doesn't necessarily have to be you like, you know, struggling on serum or massive to make sounds. You could, right. you could, you know, uh, mess with samples. That's okay. Like every, every producer is different, but if you're making bass music, you should know sound design. Like that is important. And I, I like part of being an artist. I think, I think part of being an artist is being a sound designer as well, especially in EDM. Now, if you're making like, pop or maybe house i think there's a lot a lot more samples involved mm. a lot more sampling oriented like it's great to be a sound designer it it gives you a lot more value especially amongst other artists because if i wanted to work with an artist i'd rather work with someone who is a sound engineer and knows how to you know create their own sounds as opposed to someone that relies on samples heavily but If you're working by yourself and you're making music and you're, you know, a pop artist or a house artist and you're using samples, that's totally fine. Like you could, you, you're going to go, you can go big either way. The only rule in music, it's got to sound good. People don't, I mean, most people don't listen to a song and they're like, oh, like he didn't sound design that. That was a sample. I hate this song now. Like even if you know it's a sample, if it's a good song, you're going to be like, damn, like I can't believe you use a sample. That's a good song. Yeah. <laughs> so, It, it depends, but when we're talking bass music, when we're talking dubstep, like you better know sound design. You better be making that bass. Tr you better be making that that bass line because that is the heart and soul of your song. Like mm. that's what I'm expecting. I agree, man. I agree. And, I, and as a, as a, and I take it, and I'm 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 biased about this, you know, because like I said, like on the other question, everybody has a different answer. And I like, and I always like to hear their perspectives out of it. But I do believe that as a producer, whether you're a house or bass, as a producer, you should or must have the necessity to be a sound designer. Now, would I say that it's like it should be your top number one priority? I wouldn't go that far. It should be like at least in your top three or top five. One and two for me is learn is song structure, music theory. And the second one will be mixing and mastering. You should know how to mix and master songs. Maybe not much master because master could be cheated. It could be cheated. Like I've, I've cheated a lot of times me mastering my own songs. And it sounds like, oh my God, like he did a good job on mastering. But in reality, it's like, I barely did anything. I just, I just mastered it right there in my own project section. And that's it. Call it a day. If it sounds good, it sounds good. If it's loud, it's loud, you know? But mixing, I, I feel like it should be like a priority. That's like it should be like you're either your one or your two, but it should be right there. And then I and then I'll put sound design as your number um, my number three, you know? Yeah, I was I recommend having like sessions where you're just doing sound design. You're just making noises, you're just mm -hmm. figuring out like your own specific sound. Um and that doesn't have to necessarily be when you start producing. That could be later down the line. Yeah. But Um, I know a lot of artists that are big and I'm obviously not going to say who they are, but that don't make their own songs and release them under their name and oh, uh, yeah. they'll have to master their tracks. And actually, I think it's fine to outsource the mastering of your track if you feel there's someone that could do it better and you have the money to pay them for it by all means. Yeah. But, you know, it, it draws a fine line between like, are you an artist or are you a brand? 
Like, are you making your own music? Are you doing your own sound design? Or are you just like getting other people's sounds and music and putting it under your name? I agree. I agree. And I don't have a problem if somebody can outsource my mastering for me. And if I have the money, I can pay them. It's like, yo, you can do a better job than me on my mastery. Go for it. Have a kick out of it, dude. I wanted to sound like that. But yeah, I I agree, man. And I see that a lot, you know. It's not very uncommon in, in this area. Now, like, um, what was I gonna say? Um, like, what's your stance when it comes to ghost production? What do you feel about that? Uh as long as uh, it's tough. It's tough because there's a lot of people uh close to me that that you know and people that aren't that do it. And if it's a win-win for everyone, it's it's tough because you have this image of this artist and you expect them to be the one that's doing everything. But at the end of the day, like like we were mentioning before, it's a business too. Yeah. So, you know, if if someone ha- is using a ghost producer for all their tracks and they're paying that person a reasonable amount and they have an agreement and the ghost producer, like maybe the ghost producer doesn't want to be recognized. They want to do their own private like, music for business. Yeah. Then... I guess by all means. And, and I mean, like we said, this full circle all the way to the beginning of the podcast, like if you're lying, it's going to come out one way or another. Mm. People are going to. So if you're reaching out to labels and now you're trying to get signed by labels, but they found out you ghost produce all your tracks, you're canceled, cancel culture. Like they will, they will cancel you on the spot. So it's a risky business. And it's almost, I would even, the word I would use is conning. You're conning people, but yeah, at the same time, it's a business, you know, it's not explicitly written anywhere that, hey, like, I'm the one that does everything in my music. I'm the artist. No, at the end of the day, these names that come with the artists are brands. They're brands. Like, mm-hmm. Excision is a brand. That's, uh, he obviously, he produces and masters his own tracks, but he has a team working behind him that is also Excision, and that's not always recognized, but it should be. And he, he, he recognized it, and he's very open about it. He tells people, like, hey, like, um, Excision is a production team. It's not a single artist. Excision is, is I bring, he brings his VJs. He brings his, um, uh, like everything about his production is his team. And that is Excision. I agree. All publicity is good publicity. Now I, 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 I don't know about that, bro. Like I have mixed feelings about all publicity is good publicity. You know, I have very strong mixed feelings about that because there's sometimes when you do stupid fuck shit that, that is like, dude, that is so wrong. Yet you get such positive reinforcement out of it. I'm like, like, why? Why? Like, why? Why? I just don't know how shit works, bro. I don't know. It's like, where we, where do we draw the line? Oh, when you kill somebody. Oh, that's where we turn them. So everything else before that is fine. Like, it's publicity. Let's just put it out there. Yeah, but hey, I mean, look at look at the rap game. Very different from the EDM world. But in oh, the rap yeah, game, but- they They'll they'll even uh, fantasize and talk about it and almost promote that kind of violence. Yeah. And it's sad, but again, like there's something about the rap game where that publicity is still good publicity. So Let it me- depends. There's definitely a pub that will will get you in trouble, and there's right. no coming back from. Like look at Dat Sick and look at Bass Nectar. It's like Space they, Jesus, and yeah. yeah that's pub that's bad pub that they will never return from no matter how hard they try mm-hmm. it could be years from now and they could change their name and everything and they're probably ghost producing for people right now and no one knows but they um 
they uh, themselves as an artist will not be able to come back from that and it will probably hurt them. Yeah. The damage. I, I agree. I mean, it's funny because we were talking about that with with one of my homies about that whole situation about, you know, they could be probably still ghost producing for other people and, you know, and still. Yeah. And and it's not as, and when he explained it to me, the way I was like, I was strongly against it, but I, but at the same time I was like, I can see why. And then I can see how I would have never known. And, and then it, until it becomes a big reveal surprise, it's like, oh shit, this guy's on this guy's song. Oh, he may. Oh, 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 wow. Like, yeah, it's funny enough because that sick followed me not too long ago. He what? That sick followed me on my Instagram. Oh, really? Oh God. What what was your your response? My response is like, okay, cool. Um, I'm not going to follow you back, but you know, thanks for the follow, I guess. Like, yeah, I have very, I have very passionate feelings about that whole situation. So I try not to talk about it. But I did see he released a song recently, and I do think he's trying to come back into the game. And he's, I think everybody, everybody has to eat. And if that's the only way he knows how to work for his money, then um, good luck, good luck. I, I don't know, but I'm not gonna follow him. Like I'm not his fan. Um, I'm never gonna be his. I was at one point in my life, but after I heard all that shit, and here's the thing. I'm I'm not involved with that whole shit, but I know people who are involved who were involved with that shit and were like around when that shit was happening. So I know so I know a lot more of what of that whole area camp. And it's like it, it's fuck shit, man. It really is because they were telling me it's like, oh yeah, it doesn't surprise me that he did this because when we were in tour and we were around this guy did this, this, that, and we always thought that he that was a weirdo. He was always a weirdo to us. So the fact that he did it is like, it's no surprising for us. So when I hear those stories from these guys who've done tours with, with that sick, it's like, now I know like to like what level of like of realism of this story from him is, you know, like I can vouch that. Yeah, he probably did those fuck shits, you know. It's yeah, it's fucked up. And then uh, the the real fucked up one, the controversial one, is Bass Nectar, because Oof. he. Oof. Uh, that one's a tough one, man. Because is it a tough he, one? Is it really? It, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. But his music, his music, man, it's so tough. So many people still follow him because they like his songs and they hate him as a person, and it, it makes it brings like this huge amount of controversy that's almost working in his favor. Will he be able to keep releasing music? No. But will will people still be listening to his music? Will people still like his music? Probably. That's sick. I feel like his music wasn't strong enough where people were like, I'm okay to never listen to his songs again. I'll never listen to his songs again. But there are some people that are still listening to Bass Nectar songs as if he did nothing. And that that to me is like, it's sad that you would support someone that's done something so terrible, but I could see how his music has influenced you in such a way where it's hard to put it down. And I've so, s- yeah, and I've seen people like um, I've seen people wearing that six shirts and representing his logo and base. Like I, I've seen, and I'm like, like how how are you as a person feel that this guy did this fuck shit? Like you're you're basically going against everything that that every other person are going for. You you're 
You're not separate. You're literally separating the art, or maybe you're not. I don't know. It's a very good question now that I think about it. Are you really separating the artist from the music? It's like, yeah, he fu- he did that fuck shit, but you know what? I fuck with his music. Like his music is nasty. No pun intended on that one. <laughs> that is tough. No, actually, I met someone recently who had a bass nectar tattoo, and I told him like, hey, like. It was in a place where no one else was part of the scene. So I was like, oh, I see you're part of the scene. I noticed your bass nectar tattoo. And he was like, yeah, you know, I get a lot of shit for it. It's hard to walk around and people notice it and I'm going to get it undone. He's going to he's gonna clean it off because he knows about everything that bass nectar did. And I was like, yeah, kudos to you, man. I recommend taking it off as yeah. well. Get- and he was like, yeah, honestly, I can't go anywhere without someone pointing out my tattoo and saying something mean to me. And he was like, honestly, when I got it, I didn't know Bass Nectar was going to be that type of person. I just really liked his music. So I kind of understood where he was coming from. And he says he still likes Bass Nectar's music. And I, I relate to him in the way that, you know, you can separate the music from the artist, but you can't separate listening to the music as supporting the artist. Because whenever you listen to a song, you're giving him likes, you're giving him money, exactly, you're giving him yeah. li- so yeah. that that's a tough part. Like if you can, it's hard because if you don't like his music, if you like his music, you're like, mm, man, I like his music. Like I want to listen to it. But if you're going to give him listens, that's like fucked up. Yeah, I was literally talking about that with that same homie and with Virus Syndicate about it because they were talking about cancel culture and they were talking about um about like this. They, they, surprised they were talking about the that sex situation, the bass nectar situation, the space Jesus, the, um, the R. Kelly. Um, and then they throw Michael Jackson into the mix. And I was like, see, with the Michael Jackson, uh, it's kind of hard for you to add me on, on that list. Like, and it's because do I believe that he did it? Everything is so he say, she say. It's all allegedly. Even if you watch the documentary, when you watch the documentary, it's a all one sided situation, you know. And and mind you that the people that the the, the the alleged victims they signed an NDA before they did that the, the documentary, so they kind of violated the documentary the the NDA, and they got money from the NDA, and they got money from the documentary. So it's like. Like, did you really do it for a noble cause or do you actually did it for for the money? You know, it's like it's very hard. I'm not knocking them down. That's their story. Fine. But I like it was not proven. And I tried to follow to the letter of the law. So it's like if the law said if the court says you're not guilty and there's not any evidence that you did do it, it's like, all right, I got to have to support that. And it's all allegedly based, you know, now. When you're talking about R. Kelly, however, we all saw the fucking video. At least in my time, I saw the fucking video. He was pissing at that girl. That is different. That is different. That's gross. That's gross. No, yeah, that is different. So I cannot listen to an R. Kelly. I cannot support an R. Kelly, you know? But even if Michael Jackson, like 100% was confirmed doing those things, people would still play his music and people would still, his songs would still be on the radio. Because he was at a point where he was so influential and his music was so like right. part of the right, which is it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's there's no there's no people will the people want to look at this as a black and white situation, but no, there's little bits of gray areas in all this. And and imagine like you listen to the songs, it's like dude, that song saved my life. 
And then later on, you find out, yeah, that's then what do you do? Oh my God. Yeah. What do you do? So it's, I don't know. As an, as an engineer, as a producer, I can't separate the song from the artist and I can't separate and I can give them like the process of it. It's like as R. Kelly could done the, the dumbest shit and he did the fuck shit. Good thing that he's going to jail. He's going to spend his rest of his life in jail. And I hope he rots in there. Yes. But I cannot, I cannot knock him out. His talent that he had on as a, as a, as a singer, like his music, I believe I can fly like an iconic song. And there was plenty yeah. other. Maybe when you listen to the lyrics, is like you might hear, you might feel different about it, or you might listen to the double meaning. Yeah, <laughs> but I can separate. At least I know, like I know, it's like he's a he's a f- asshole. He's a fucking douchebag. Whatever, like yada yada yada. But you can't knock down that his music is actually like you know, let's level shit. I, I think Elenium actually recently had to go on Twitter and apologize to everyone because he played a bass nectar song at one of his sets. I think it was at Ember Shores last weekend. No way. Yeah. And he, he had to come out publicly and tell everyone like, sorry, I suppose he supposedly said he didn't know that it was a bass nectar song. Now, mind you, if he is getting his music in a reputable way, he would know the t- track title and the artist of the exactly. song. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was a that was a that was a weak ass apology. I didn't, I didn't know it was a bass like that. Bitch, you're a DJ. Like you know what songs you got on your fucking USB. You put it there. The fuck exactly. out of here. But that was some recent controversy wow. that happened. Okay, my phone did a thing. But yeah, it was Elenium at Ember Shores and he had to come out and apologize. Where'd my video go? Oh, there we go. Hello. Damn. Like, I didn't know that that was a fin, man. I didn't know that that, that shit happened. Wow. Yeah, and on Twitter, he was like, oh, I didn't know it was a bass nectar song. I don't know which song it was, but... Oops, yeah, that... I did it again. I mean... <laughs> Is he really sorry? The question. Is he really sorry? That's the million dollar question. I mean, for it, is he really sorry that he played it just to save his face? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. At that point, I'm kind of against of his weak apology. At that point, it's like you didn't you really didn't know? You're you're on tour all the time and you're always DJing. Like you know what songs you play one after another. You can't tell me you don't know what song, you know? Yeah, I find it very hard to believe that he doesn't know the music that he's playing. Um, and if that's true, then that's even worse that he doesn't know the music that he's playing. <laughs> that just tells me that he, he has his pre-recorded sets. That, you know, yeah. What's your take on that? That's a great topic. So as the DJ, I will tell anybody that if you have a pre-recorded set, get the fuck out of the turntables. Like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Have somebody play your music at that point. If you have a pre-recorded set, like, nah. Fuck out of here, bro. Come on. I get that sometimes people do it and it's a, like um, a way to do entertainment, but don't be a fucking lazy, bro. Like there's a difference of having a pre-recorded set and having a, pre- a pre-playlist saying like I'm playing songs from top to bottom like this in this order. So all I got to do is just switch the next song. That's it. Play. Switch the next song. Please like I don't have a problem with that because at least you're doing the work. But just press play 
and then just pretending that you're doing stuff when you're really not doing anything. Yeah, I have a problem with that. And I like to expose people when they when they do that stupid shit. Like I, I at that point, it's like you're you're a worthless piece of crap. Like you should like you should stay as a producer, not as a DJ. Don't ever call yourselves a DJ. Don't even don't even come into festivals. If you're not gonna be taking this shit seriously, you're not gonna be DJing. Like don't that's bother. taking the of someone that is actually you know doing their own DJing. Yes, but then you have people Paris Hilton. Who who is very openly not like who is pressing play and not DJing and she's just up there having like a good time doing her little dance and then there's someone else that comes in and does the DJing for her, but like I don't know I feel like that's taking the spot of someone who's an actual artist that's actually doing it. Live. I agree, I agree, and that and that was where I was going to. You're taking the spot of someone else that deserves the spot mu- much more than than you because they have worked it hard harder than you, and you're just like. Being a freebie, just pressing play, you have, don't touch anything and you pretend that you're touching anything, but you're not, you know, that's, yeah. And especially those celebrity DJs, yeah, I have a real problem with that. Now, people like like Idris Alba and, and Shaq, now those motherfuckers actually know how to DJ and they know how to do their thing, which is very surprising because like, you see, is if, if these celebrities, like these two, can actually do the fucking DJ work. Why the fuck everyone else does can do it? Exactly. DJ Diesel, man. He's he also very cool guy. He put on his Instagram recently. Send me. He's one of those guys that said, send me a demo. I don't care who you are or how many followers you have. I don't give a crap about any of that. If it's dirty, I'm playing it at one of my sets. He put that on his Instagram. Oh. And that more labels should take a page from that book. Because at the end of the day, like, if his song, if he said, if your song is fire, I'm playing it on my sets. I don't care who you are. If it's fire, I'm playing it. And that's that's the recipe. Like, if your music is fire, that's all that matters. That's, the one rule of music, it's got to sound good. That's all that matters, man. That's all that matters, bro. Now, let me ask you, like, you as a festival runner, you know, like, you got to do some precautions of trying to do this these upcoming festivals that you're coming, man, are you taking some precautions? Like what is your stand with the whole astral world? Oh yeah. That was, um, I don't think people realize how many, how much goes into how many teams mm-hmm. work on a full, how big the setup side is right. of doing things. I've worked on a couple festivals now and seeing the background of how like they, the setup and creation of the festival comes to be like the whole process of having a festival go down and it is a lot of risk management there's a lot of liability involved there's a lot of moving pieces a lot of people working together to make this big thing happen um astroworld was just a like a big poor planning poorly done and then and then it got to the point where they were so deep in Mm. And they handled it so poorly that it, it just kept escalating and escalating. So a uh, recent thing that happened to me, I went to EDC Orlando and I think it was day two or day three. And this girl next to me and my group of friends just falls to the floor and starts having a seizure. Oh, and yeah, it was traumatic. You know, we just got out of the, we were still in the festival grounds. And the first thing that happens is my friends start screaming, medic, medic, medic. And everyone in the in in like a good one mile radius starts screaming medic medic medic. Obviously, no medic was coming out, so I had to go run to the medic's tent and tell him, "Hey, there's someone that fell to the floor. We need you." And 
we ran back and the girl was able to get the help she needed. But, um, and that was even, even, you know, poor planning that EDC Orlando doesn't have more medics around mm. in different areas that they weren't able to respond to that so quickly. Astroworld was at a point where there was people falling to the floor and no one was helping them. No one, no one in the crowd was helping them. No one, no medics were around to help them that they were going 30, 40 minutes before they were seen by someone. People were dying before they could get the help they needed. And that is terrible planning. Look, I, I kind of, I kind of don't put Travis Scott into the equation. Mm. Um, I think he he has become the scapegoat of the actual entire production team's fault, and to, it is his fault that he didn't put more stops in place. He didn't, you know, do more risk management, and he wasn't. Um, he's very not immature, but irresponsible, right, for letting it like that uh, happen. But there's a lot of other moving pieces when it comes to making a festival happen. And there's a lot of teams that are responsible for that type of thing. And him being on stage, he can't technically be in charge of every station while he's performing. Right. You know, he can't be in charge of the water and the water station having enough water while he's performing. He can't be in charge of the merch t having enough t-shirts while he's performing. Is that his initial uh, responsibility and overall his major responsibility? Absolutely. Everything falls on him. He is the, it's his festival. But while he's on stage, there's already so many moving pieces involved that it really comes down to like, where was the security guard? Like, why didn't the people, the medics respond quicker? Why aren't the people stopping the festival? Um, if I'm on stage performing and I see someone fall to the floor, yeah, I'm going to tell people, hey, like help that person up. But I don't really know the severity of the situation because I'm not, I'm not really understanding what's happened. It is the production team's responsibility. If there's someone at the, you know, uh, front of house, which is where they do all the visuals. If someone in front of house is getting a, a response, like on their walkie talkie, like, Hey, listen, like there's nine or 10 people falling on the floor. Medics are going crazy. We're, we're, um, we're, there's a stampede. This is a nine one one situation. It's their responsibility to cut the production. Like they have to turn off the microphones, turn off the lights and say on the loudspeaker, Hey, everyone, right. if, um, we need you to calmly leave. The event is coming to a close. Travis Scott has left the building. Um, it's not necessarily Travis Scott's responsibility to do that because he has no idea what's happening. He's right. literally just uh, ad, uh, not even singing his own songs. He might even be ad-libbing. Um, so it's hard for him to understand the severity of the situation get in the exact situation. So I think there's a lot of more people that should have been held responsible for that. I think it's unfair that he received the full... Um, the full wrath of the people right full wrath of the people i think it is justified i think he is irresponsible and he deserves yeah. some of the wrath but there's a the lot whole of thing like some some of this should some blame should take on the police station at the fire station at the production team like life nation like Ooh. at the securities uh travis Scott's um team because they should Absolutely. be in contact with them back and forth making sure are we good to go yes no no Pull the plug. All right, but like, um, my stand is like everybody's at fault at all this. Uh, is Travis Scott getting the full blast at it? Yes. Should he get the full blast? I feel not. Everybody should. Ha there's a blame. It's it's very fickle because everybody has a blame, including the people, including the including people. The the, yeah, the festival runners. You know, those people. They were tramping other people. They weren't even helping other people. They were just trying to push people around, stepping on other people. 
and the parents who are letting their eight year old kid come over to the show and shit. Like I, there's Absolutely. like the whole, it's a whole three sixty. Like everybody's into blame in all this. Everybody. There's so there's so many moving pieces involved. People don't realize that festivals take take a village to to make happen. Like um, each team that works on something, you got security who has its own like little community in making the festival happen. And then you have the production right. team, which is its own little community to make the festival happen. You have the artists, which are their own little community. It takes a little village to make a festival happen. And if something goes wrong, like what happened there, that is a, everyone is at fault. Everyone that right. did that didn't do enough to make sure that everyone was safe is at fault there because there's so many people that could have pulled the plug. The, the, Security could have pulled the plug on the event. The police could have pulled the plug on the event. The production team could have pulled the plug on the event. Travis Scott could have pulled the plug on the event, yeah. but he's not the only one. Right. He's not the only one. And I also don't condone the culture that he creates with his music and the community yeah. that, that fantasizes about people getting trampled. Like that's like that's it's not. It's super, it's almost embarrassing that they think it's like a good thing to trample over people. Like that is tragic. And the fact that they are creating community around that, like I'm glad that Travis Scott is almost taking the full wrath of this because they need, that should be an eye opener that the cre community he is creating is not the right type of community that we want as a species, as people. We don't want to create a community of people that um, condone violence and trampling and uh, acts of, of, of murder. And that's murder. People were murdered that, yeah. and that's not really what. That's that's why, like when, m like my take on going into running festivals, my number one thing is creating a community of people that are like are good, that are plur, that you know believe in peace, love, unity, respect. If if I saw anyone that wasn't, you know, following those vibes, mm -hmm. I would immediately blacklist them from the festival. Like it's yeah. that easy because I I am creating a community, and the community is very important to me. Like. Cause if, cause then stuff like that happens, man. And that's, it ends up being such a liability that it ruins everything. Yeah. I, I totally 100% agree. Um, I did an episode in regards of the whole, um, Travis Scott debacle, you know, and I hate when people were, that were protecting Travis Scott and they were saying like, you know, Travis Scott is, the, is a victim in all this. I'm like, you're playing the victim card way too loosely. He is in no, in my personal opinion, he is no victim of all this because it's not his first rodeo. You said it yourself, like, like his people are rowdy. Why is it rowdy? Because Travis Scott is rowdy. He instigates that. He incites that type of behavior. He he makes yeah. that behavior, you know, acceptable in his world. You know, like there's like the case in which he made. He made kids jump over from the sec from a second story balcony. It's like, go ahead, what? you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it. Go ahead, you can do it, and people will do it, and people jump over, and then the kid is paralyzed. Wait, did this actually happen? Yeah, there's, oh my there's, god, dude. there's a story behind it. That guy needs to be put to an end. That he cannot keep, he cannot keep having productions. If that's how irresponsible he is with people. That's how level it is. And there was another in an incident with in a festival in which he got arrested and banned from that venue because he he tell people to climb over the fence. To climb over the fence of the of the front road of the stage. Just climb over the fence. And people were just trying to get into it. And th th he was telling the security, yo, security, don't touch them. Let them climb over. Let them climb over. 
And it's like, why? Like, there's a reason why we put a barrier. It's not because, like, we don't want the fans to be close to the stage. No, it's because there's, as a, as a audio, as an audio engineer, a live sound engineer, there's literally cables around there that we had to set up in front of those barriers. And there's, and there's also a certain distance that we had to put uh, people from the speakers because those speakers and those bass are fucking loud. They'll make you deaf. And if, if you don't create that gap space, bro, it'll, it'll, it'll give it'll, it'll be dev. And then who's going to play? There, there's a reason yeah. why we do it. And then also as well, we don't want people to climb up the stage. And people have climbed up the stage. And they climb up. And the thing is that he ins- incites this type of behavior. That's why like, I don't feel bad about him because it was a ticking time bomb waiting to happen. Like This is something that was well known from his perspective. You, you know? This is something that that's known everywhere that he does this, uh, that he's very rowdy. In fact, the day of the festival at Astro Bowl, he tweeted out saying like, yo, it's over, it's oversold. Dude, if you, everybody should be inside the, inside the festival. If you have a ticket, get inside. If you don't have a ticket, doesn't matter. Get inside. Somehow go in, jump over the fence, get inside the festival. Yeah, that man is a liability. That, it's tragic. Yeah. It took people to die for productions to see that. But he's not, he tried, he, he told Coachella he'd play for free and they told him no. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's good that they, I mean, at the end of the day, they're covering their own asses. They don't want to, they don't want that liability at their festival. Absolutely. Not just Coachella, but every other company, every other festival is like, they don't want to take that liability for it because it's like, no, bro. It's like, if this is the type of energy that you're bringing over to our show, like, we don't want you here. Like, we, we can't risk oh, that. That's like, shit. I don't know. Like that that's that's where I stand about it. But I don't take the whole I don't take the whole weight on him and blame it on him as like it's his fault ten people die. Like, no. It was def he is definitely a liability in all of this, and it was just a ticking time bomb waiting to happen. Definitely he has to fall about that. But do I put him personally like the sole perpetrator responsible why those ten people died? No, because there's a lot of factors. And there's many people that were involved. Yeah, a lot of people. We go back again. The event people, the sound people, the security people, the police, the fire station, Travis Scott team. Like a lot of people were involved in this, and a lot of people has some sort of fault with it. You know, they have to have fault. You know, it's it's all a collective. Should Travis Scott get the full wrath? No, some of it, but not the whole thing. And you're right. He they're using him as a scapegoat because obviously people will target more on bigger artists. You know, people artists that has a, a bigger name, a bigger following. It's sad, you know. And I don't know how he's gonna be fighting losses for 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 years, man. For years, that's for sure. Yeah, he's, Travis Scott better buy a nice court suit. <laughs> <laughs> straight yeah. straight up. But I feel like Live Nation should take some of those lawsuits and. The Houston PD, Houston Fire Department, because hey, you you know if 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 Miami PD or fire sta- or uh, or Miami Fire Station tells you, low, this your festival is getting risky, you need to pull the plug. Are you gonna pull the plug, or are you gonna risk having a fine and possibly arrest and have a possibly riot? You know, like what would. Like, yeah, I think for the safety of the people, you have to pull the plug at that point. They they took too long. They didn't pull the plug at all. They mm-hmm. took way too long. But 
Yeah. Um, but you gotta, the number one thing is safety. Yeah. People, the festival is for the people, by the people. So exactly. if they're risk at hurting them, you gotta, you gotta stop it. Cause the reason for doing the festival is so that people have a good time. People are literally dying. You're not doing the right thing. You gotta, you gotta pull the plug. And it'll, it, honestly, I think a lot of, uh, festival run, like people that run festivals are, are concerned that, you know, oh, I might lose money if I, you know, shut down the festival early. But the truth is, you're going to lose a lot more money if you let people die and you're going to end up with a lot more lawsuits on your hands. So it's, yeah, it's, it's very sad. It's tragic what happened. And it's sad that people had to die to, for people to realize that this was a, a liability on a lot of hands. But I hope that everyone learns from it and that, you know, events take more precautions in people's safety. I agree, man. I agree. And I, I feel like since this is since this happened on national news, I feel like a lot of festivals are going to take this as a as an example as like what not to do. And as and I'm pretty sure every festival is now going to triple their their level of sec security to make this a safe haven for everybody who wants to go to a festival. Every festival, don't matter, every festival. It's not necessarily here. I, hope, I really hope so because we're also in a weird point where, like now, COVID. We haven't even talked about COVID this whole podcast, which is ideal. But yeah, we've come, yeah <laughs> we've come to a point where it's kind of like dwindling, and more people are allowed into more places, mm -hmm. and events are bigger. Um, there's less restrictions on capacity. So while we're fighting that, I think people don't realize that hey, like we gotta calm down at the same time. We can't have you know, people realize that, oh, you can start going out again. Let's go crazy. Let's do riots because yeah. that's also dangerous. I agree. I feel like everybody who wasn't during the pandemic, they came out crazier. <laughs> yeah, everyone, everyone was, they, they got it all bottled up inside their, their desire to go out. And then just like when, like, because now I hear, like, I hear these wild stories, like there's crazy ass stories that you would you would say like when did this happen when is this become a norm like for example like the whole domestic uh domestic violence in uh airplanes like where was the last time you heard like like oh yeah some people were fighting inside inside an airplane people are fighting inside airplanes now you didn't know this no bro this is national news bro people are literally fighting inside airplanes oh because they didn't want to put a mask yeah yeah, it's tragic. That's also, I mean, look, I stand by it. Everybody has their own free will to do whatever the fuck they want. But if you enter an establishment, a private establishment, and they have these certain rules and you have to follow these rules, otherwise you get kicked out, then just follow them. It's their own private thing. Like, you can't say it's my own free will. It's like, sure, but you're in our free territory. This is my property. So it's like if yeah. you, if you're coming here, put a mask on. If you don't put a mask on, we'll ask you to leave, and that's it. You can't you can't do anything. You can try to say have a file a complaint. You can say I'm gonna sue you, but you know we're in the we're in the right, and we're gonna make sure we're in the right because again, it's a rules and regulation. It's not a law. It's their own rules and regulation. If they want to follow it, that's on them. You know, if they say like, nah, everybody maskless, that, that's on them. I can't knock that. I can't tell everybody what they can and can't do. All I can tell is like establishment has their rules. If they say you're behaving in such a way that, you know, we don't like it and you're breaking some of your rules, it's And people were literally 
fighting inside airplanes. Like in stewardess, flight attendants, fist fights. Dem- like seriously, it got to the point that flight attendants and other and other passengers have to duct tape the the offenders. So when they <laughs> land, the police can come over and arrest them. It's like pick your battles, man. Like who's really gonna fight over uh you know uh a fucking chin diaper? Yeah. Like how are you? How- of all the battles you can fight in the world, why is that going to be the one that you're going to like go to arms for? Or like, like seriously, God. especially now it's, I feel like it's even worse when you, pl- when you fight on, on an airplane, because a, you get banned by the airplanes. And if one airplane bans you, every airplane will ban you too, because they're like, nah, we don't want to take this risk with you. And B, you're on the no fly list. And I think that's the worst part. The fact that you cannot fly anywhere, like yeah, like what you do at that point, you better have a private jet. Exactly, man. Exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy world that we're living right now, man. But I'm excited. I'm excited for future stuff, man. Hopefully, future good things will come in fruition. You know, for everyone. Hopefully, um, I am excited for that festival that you're actually conducting now in January, right? Yeah, I'd love. Come man, I'll, I'll put you on the guest list. Ah, absolutely, man. Like you gotta, you gotta get me in touch with all the artists, man. And I would love to do like a a ten minute talk with everybody, doing a little media interview with them, man, and promoting the whole festival. That'd be awesome. We'll talk about it after the podcast for sure. But right. you can get, I can see you a spot on the guest list. Absolutely. Thank you very much, man. Um, before we wrap this up, man, um, I got a few more questions, and we can end it right there with a nice note, okay, man? Um, sure. This is actually a very in- uh, interesting question that I started to ask everybody. Um, why is it that you choose your name to be NDR Time? So, well, NDR Time is my 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 birth name, my God given name. Oh, That's that just, is your uh, your actually God given name. Yeah, NDR Time. My artist name is X Two A. And I haven't released it yet, but by the time this podcast comes out, it will be public information um, because also the event I'm having January 15th is under X2A. Um, oh. And I picked X2A is because it stands for double A and my initials, Andy R time, AA are double A. So that's why I went with X2A. Double A. That's what's up. Yes. Well, man, Andy, let me ask you, what has been your greatest accomplishment up to now? My greatest accomplishment as of now? Hmm. I think booking our headliner for uh, Underground Garden Fest in January has been one of my biggest highlights. Um, it, didn't take as, it didn't take very much. I mean, I only had to hit up a couple headliners and I just picked one of my favorites, Miso. Mm. I can tell you that because this will come out after it's already public information. But not a lot of people know that in the time that I'm telling you right now. Um, and that is one of my greatest accomplishments because that's probably the, the deepest I've gone into the industry. But one of the most fulfilling feelings I've had is releasing my track that I told you about before. Mm-hmm. Um, because even if I listen back to it and I'm not a fan of the production, the response that I've gotten from it has been so fulfilling that um, it has inspired me to keep going and it makes me want to keep making music. That's actually pretty cool, man. So right now you're currently just making making your artist name, trying to blow up, having your first festival. So in the future, what is it that you hope to accomplish? Um, what do I hope to accomplish? Uh, a lot of things, really. I have a lot of things that I want to accomplish because um, life is, 
people say life is short, but it's technically the longest thing you do. Mm. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I want to do. Um, in the very near future, something that I look forward to doing is doing a live stream on Twitch as a Make a Wish Foundation uh, donation event, and I would like to be able to match the donations. It's going to be like a twelve hour. Uh, live stream. I'm going to be DJing different genres for 12 hours, and uh, I want people to donate to the Make a Wish Foundation. Uh, my sister passed away from cancer when I was a uh, freshman in high school, so uh, uh, I'm so sorry kind of, to hear that, man. Yeah, it hit close to home, so that's something that I wanted to uh, so a donation that I wanted to do for um, people, and that that is something that is a goal that I have in the near future. Um, in the deep, deep future. I mean, I don't know. I have so many goals. There's so many things that I want to aspire to be and do. And I want to keep all those doors open. Um, but being a label owner, that that is up there for sure. Um, having my own label, mm. um, having my own production team. Uh, yeah, and that's actually not as far as it seems. It's actually coming coming a lot sooner than I expected. But those are those would be things that I aspire to do for sure. That's amazing, bro. Amazing goals is what I hear, man. I'm, I'm thankful for to hearing this, man. Um, and I'm very sorry to hear that about your sister, man. You know, my thoughts and prayers for for you and your family, man, for passing that. Now, I can sympathize from you know losing a lost one like that for, for cancer. You know, it's tough. It is. Yeah. But thank God. It, it. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for thanks for understanding. It's no, of course, man. Of course. Um. We're gonna just end this with this high note, you know. Wrap this up with this last question. Um, let's just say that you're walking down the street, and all of a sudden a UFO came comes around, comes to you and say, "Yo, Andy, we need your help because you and only you can help us from our situation, man. You have to come with us right now." He's like, "Okay, but but before you go." You must know you'll be out for a while. We don't know when you're coming back. Before you go, here's a piece of paper. Write three pieces of advice that you will give to someone. What are those three pieces of advice? Wow, that is a loaded question, my friend. Mm -hmm. uh, man, okay, so I'm leaving Earth on a spaceship. Yes, let's go. <laughs> and I have three pieces of advice on a sheet of paper. I think one really good advice that is very applicable to anything anyone wants to do is, Hey, listen, like if you give yourself 30 minutes to clean your room or you give yourself three months to clean your room, you'll clean your room in three months, but it'll take you three months. And if you give yourself 30 minutes, you'll clean your room in 30 minutes. So, um, set goals for yourself. And that would be, that would be one advice. Like If you give yourself 30 minutes to clean your room and you give yourself three days to clean your room, you will do it in 30 minutes or three days. Um, the second piece of advice would be, um, oh, um, like, don't care what other people tell you. Don't like ever, ever. Like, you don't, you don't owe anyone anything. Always follow your heart, your soul, your dreams and your passion. Because people will always tell you things from their lens, from their perspective. And as much as they can try to sympathize and understand with yours, you have to, you have to rely on your, you being your best center of information. So obviously take people's counsel with, uh, you know, and, a grain of salt. and yeah, and, and value what people say, of course, yeah. 
like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. What matters most is what you, uh, is what matters most is what you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, yeah, that kind of like segues into my last piece of information. Um, the best advice I can really give anyone is you are the only thing you're going to experience in this life. You are the only person that you're going to be. So make it an enjoyable one. Make sure the voice in your head is a friendly one. Make sure that you're um, being the type of person that you want to be around because you're not going to be, you're going to be the person you're around the most for your entire life. So just make sure that that person is someone that's worth being around. That is dope, man. I love it, man. I absolutely love it, man. Thank you very much, Andy, for for those advice and thank you for coming over to the show. It was it was a great conversation having you over, man. And you're a friend to the show, man. You can come over whenever you want to, man, and we can have another discussion and just kick it, man. Thank you, man. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. This was uh, this was a very cool talk. I don't think I've done anything like this before, and uh, I'm out. I was pleasantly surprised. Like this was awesome. I had a really good time. Thank you, man. I'm I'm happy to hear that, man. The important thing is, is like we both learn something from each other, man. And you know, we can do a lot of cool stuff now in the future with this, man. Um, before we leave, plug yourself out. Let the people know what they can follow you, and let the people know what they can expect from you in the future. Uh, guys, I'm very excited. I've got some very a lot of unreleased tracks and projects and remixes in the works. I'm going to be releasing them once a month. For 2021, uh, you can follow me at I am X2A on Instagram and SoundCloud. And um, yeah, um, I have a couple festivals lined up to host and perform. So if you're in Miami, Tampa, and hopefully in New York by the time this comes out, you can catch me there. And I hope to see you guys at my shows. I love you guys. Appreciate it very much, man. Well, thank you for coming over to the show, Andy. And Thank you guys for listening. And remember, every week is a brand new episode with a brand new topic. So always remember to like and subscribe for your weekly episodes at youtube.com slash the lone wolf podcast or lonewolfpod.com. That's lone W-O-L-V pod.com where you can check all my latest episodes. You could also click the notification bell next to the subscribe button. So that way you guys will never miss any episode. And it's always every Friday, guys. If you guys want to hear the audio version to all this, you guys can listen in um, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio for free, guys. That's right. It doesn't cost you anything other than to follow me. And it's for free at the Lone Wolf Podcast and any of those platforms, guys. So Comment down below. Let me hear your thoughts. Share your experiences. If you guys got a certain topic that you want me to cover or you want Andy to cover, please let us know in the comments down below and we'll try our best to cover it on the next episode. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you guys at the next one. Deuces. Deuces.